Good people of Los Angeles, tonight on the FCFC FCA FCA pod, we've got Fern, the mighty Fern, Fern Varela, on the podcast this evening to talk Argentina, Bombonera, La Boca, Buenos Aires. You know who Fern is. No. You know what the Expos are. You want to hear about the Expos? We're going to let you hear about them. You want to hear Fern throw me under way, way under the bus? It's going to happen. He's a you fantastic writer, by the way. You want to know what it's like to be on your own podcast and roasted in your own backyard? <laughs> Welcome to the FCFC pod. You already know what it is. Slim, hit him with the warning. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the backyard of Dweezy's Place in Expo Park. There are cars driving by, some people shouting. Helicopters weren't out tonight. Uh, it's a little cold for those blades. Uh, and as per usual, I do have a potty mouth. I do intend to use it. We are one scholar short, so it is a little extra dickhead today. So if you're around kids, or fuck, w- all right, <laughs> that was right, yeah. Well, fuck. They're, they're, I'm gonna cuss. I'm sorry. I that was uh, uh, On to the episode, ladies and gentlemen. Leave us a review. Hit us on the gram. Let us know what you want to talk about. We're trying to get interactive and shit. Chief Keef, and it's a little cold for those blades. Those are the moments of the pot. <laughs> FCFC. Welcome to the FCFC pod, where one scholar and one dickhead are in the backyard this evening. As per usual, I am your host, Slim. Sitting across from me is Big Dweez. Yo. And to my left, we have a very special guest. Um, I call him the babyface assassin. Um, (laughs) Other people might call him rape face. Mm. Creepy. Oh, my God. I mean, he is your (laughs) creepy. He's your creepy uncle. But like 20 years younger. Yeah, I'm like 15. <laughs> we got Mr. Fern Varela in the backyard. Yay. What's up? Hey, this is cool. Up, I'm so excited. Cheers, cheers, man. Appreciate you coming cheers, by. Cheers, cheers, oh. Slimothy. Mm. running with the first question. What's your oldest football memory, Fern? Mm. In preparation of this podcast, I've been thinking about this <laughs> this question, and I I think you know obviously I, I have memories of watching like World Cups with my dad like when I was way younger, but my first distinct football memory I think I was seven or eight years old uh, I was visiting Argentina with family and uh, I knew that I was a, a Boca supporter because uh, my dad had like given me a cap and told me that we were we were Boca fans <laughs> and stuff growing up but I got to visit uh, La Boca the, the neighborhood in Buenos Aires and so you know we go to the top Ooh, of this the uh, building so nice. say it again when you say it bold like that it yeah sounds say it again say what did I say when, but it was, Buenos Aires. Ooh. Oh my God. <laughs> so Do women listen to this podcast? <laughs> um, they could beat you up. <laughs> oh, what? The women that listen to this podcast will beat you up. Shout uh, out Thelma. <laughs> so I'm at the top of this like building in, in La Boca, and you get to see, overlook the neighborhood, and like just out of nowhere, La Bombonera grows from the ground. It's just kind of this sudden like marvel um, in the middle of the neighborhood and you know that was a very cool moment for me I remember feeling very uh, proud even though I, I, I'm not born in Argentina and and don't spend a lot of time in Buenos Aires 
And so I remember like that very distinctly, like being very proud of that moment. How old were you then? I think I was seven or eight, maybe. You know, and then um, later that day, we're in a little tourist uh, shop, and um, my great aunt Liliana, who actually just passed away a week ago, um, she she was a river supporter. So we go into this tourist shop, and there were these Boca pins on the left side of this wall and river pins on the right side of this wall. <laughs> and she goes to me, uh, "I'll buy you whichever pin you want, as long as it's not Boca." And I said, no, I stood my ground. Uh, oh, my dad, Yeah, nice. my dad put his arm on my shoulder, <laughs> and I stood my ground. And uh, <coughs> she ended up not buying me to pin. So <laughs> You went away pinless. Yeah. And as a seven or eight-year-old, going away pinless is pretty hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was the type to put the pin in my pocket anyways and walk out of the shop. <laughs> Ooh, True story. Game. True story. <laughs> um, I used to steal gum, but that was like a week ago, so. <laughs> <laughs> Fern, Argentina... Your family's from where exactly? Uh, my mom's side of the family is from Buenos Aires, and then my dad's side of the family is from Mar del Plata, which is uh, I think 500 miles south of Buenos Aires. It's a Holy it's like a they... beach resort town, um, very beautiful. Is it cold there in the winter? Because you're you're, not, you're getting 500 miles south of Buenos Aires, you're getting into some cold territory, aren't you? Closer and closer to the 500 cold. miles. I might 500 miles might be a little bit exaggerated. It might be closer <laughs> to the three. I don't remember. I don't yeah. remember. Okay, the exact so it's not number. it's not that cold. But uh, when I visited, I remember it not being that cold. It's a, it's a beach town. Like, it's known for its beaches, and, and a lot of people from around the country go there for in the summers uh, for the beaches and, like, rent a place there. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't imagine it's, it's that cold. What's the local club around there? Do we know? Um, yes, there's a, a club called Aldovisi, which uh, is currently in the second division. Mm. They were in the first division for, like, a year, and then they got rele relegated. But like most of Argentina, most of the people in the city either root for Boca or River or, like, one of the other big teams like Racing or mm -hmm. uh, San Lorenzo. And growing up, did your dad, was he already, like, was his dad Boca? And then? Uh, that's a good question. Actually, um... I don't know exactly what my grandfather supported, but I remember, so my dad wa had seven brothers and one sister, and I remember him telling me that uh, all of his family was, uh, all of his brothers were River supporters, and he decided to be the Rebel, and he, he was the sole Boca Junior supporter in, in the family. Um, I think my grandmother was um, Huracan, I don't remember what my grandfather was, so maybe River, because all the all of his brothers were were River. Interesting. Side note: the only game in Argentina I ever went to was at the Huracan, mm. but hilariously enough, it was Independiente against Boca, mm. because Independiente Stadium was under construction, so they had that. They were, I think, that was their home ground there for a little while, mm. and I got into the stadium without a ticket because it was just that chaotic <laughs> like we were our plan was to scalp tickets outside kind of like looking around talking to people then we just like saw that people were just sort of like filing into this one area we just went over there and there wasn't even like a, someone taking it so you know you're shoulder to shoulder like up in the curve mm -hmm. um like very <coughs> marginally just because of carlos tevez and like players raquel may players that i liked of course i like wanted boca to win but I was in the Independiente side, <laughs> you know, in the stadium. And so, I mean, it goes without saying that, like, Argentina is unique and special in its supporter culture. Yeah. Um, and that's something that, like, you grew up with. At what point did you realize, like, how different Argentine, you know, like, how? at what point did you realize, like, oh, shit, like, 
not only is my family football supporters, they're like this specific type of like, you know, they're part of this bigger, more wild, more world-renowned type of support than even say in, in England or in Spain or in Brazil, for instance. Pretty late in life, actually. Um, what's funny is when my dad moved to this country about 25 years ago, um, he became very Americanized, so he would watch a lot of you know, NFL, MLB. Mm-hmm. I grew up playing um, Little League baseball. Um, I grew up playing mostly American sports, and there wasn't a- actually a ton of, of soccer in my household. Um, I kind of got myself more into soccer little by little, um, watching tournaments and World Cups and, and, and the national team and, and that sort of thing. Um, you say all that, but I bet you World Cup time, your house was crazy. Yes. Right? Like yeah. every four years, it was still... Yeah, it was still very passionate. My dad mm. yelling at the TV and, and going crazy. And I was aware, you know... But we he, forget that Fern has only been alive for five World Cups. That is true. That's true. God damn, so jealous. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, it's nice. It's but nice it, to be young. Enjoy it, asshole. <laughs> I, I am. I'm trying to. Um... But I, I did, you know, I was aware of, of you know, football culture um, mm-hmm. growing up. Um, so what, what was that point where you, like, you said, you know, it was, like, later in life where you sort of realized, like, wait, I'm sort of part of a tradition that's, like, pretty special and, like, pretty interesting. In the, in the world of sports support, I would make the case personally and subjectively that Argentine football support is, like, sort of in a class of its own. It wasn't one moment where I just had, like, a, a light bulb go up. It, it, was, it was gradually where, you know, I, as a young age, I, I got to visit um, Boca and see um, just what clubs like that meant to the city and, and what it meant to that community in Buenos Aires. And then, you know, you're watching games every now and then on TV, and it's like, oh, Argentina's playing, or my dad also would root for the U.S., so it's like, oh, the U.S. is playing, and um, we'd get very into it and very passionate about it, and just little by little, um, I would just get more and more into it until um, I think the 2010 World Cup, I, I was very into it, and then after the 2014 World Cup, I was like, all right, I'm going to be exclusively a soccer guy. I, I love what this global game is all about. And uh, I'm, this is going to be like my thing going forward. I just, I, I love it. Um, and so, you know, I, and I always had Boca Juniors at the back of my mind of, um, you know, we'll probably get to that eventually. But when we started building the 3252 and Expo Originals and the culture behind the club, I always had this idea of one day, 30 years in the future, our stadium will be like La Bombonera in, in that there's 40,000 supporters. It's not one section of, of um, four or 5,000 fans. It's the entire stadium that are singing the songs and going crazy. And actually, I think that's happened in several cases way sooner than I was expecting. Yeah. And all this time that this is going on, you're like never really a player. You, I mean, you don't play the sport then all that much it's 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 something that's happening through mostly through the tv um mostly through tv i i would play occasionally like in my elementary school we had after school programs where you would play like every a different sport every month Mm. so i i play every sport including soccer same for like middle school and high school i would play occasionally i was always pretty athletic in that i was playing a sport so whenever a a moment came that I, i had to play soccer i at least i could run and pass and do the basics but um, I bought after uh, Brazil 2014 
I, you know, invested money and got some boots and said, I'm going to like train and actually play mm. three to four days a week and try and find all the pickup games I could possibly find. And instead of playing five or six different sports, I decided to play just soccer and become as good as I could in soccer. Mm -hmm. And you grew up mostly on the west side here in LA or were you guys bouncing around? Um, mostly the west side. My family did move around quite a bit for, for several different reasons, but west side, South Bay area, mm -hmm. yeah, that was my, my main zone. And was there... Was there like a lot of chilling with the Argentine communities here in LA for you guys, or were your folks sort of like kind of on an island in that sense? Um, we had our small little group of, of Argentine family friends that we knew. Uh, my dad uh, worked with um, Argentinians, um, and so like uh, you know, I would go to dinner with them and, and meet with them every once in a while. But it wasn't a very big group. Um, I don't think LA has a massive Argentinian community. There's some like nice restaurants here and there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, what are your Argentine spots, man? What are they? What are your? You know, it's actually tough because there's there's a few there's like a spot um, in West LA, uh, in in West Hollywood. I forgot the name of it. That's supposed to be this very famous, very good Argentinian food spot. Lalas. Lalas, I think. That's my and shit. I ordered a uh, milanesa there, mm. and it was fucking awful. <laughs> and so. <laughs> yeah, you, I, there's like. You got to go with the, the two little steak options that they have at, at Lala's. Yeah. But um, honestly, the best Argentinian spots I've had are like the little mom and pop spots. Yeah, there's a place in Culver City, I think, called uh, Grand Casino or, or Grand Royale um, that has some good empanadas, good uh, semichita sandwiches, which mm. are these like yeah. very light, delicious sandwiches that you'd put in the microwave in a toaster. What's your barbecue pit like in your backyard? In my backyard, mm. we don't have a, okay. a backyard. <laughs> but, but at least traditionally, one person in your family has something. Where you we we used to, yeah. I mean, uh, asados are very. Uh, that's the Argentinian thing, you know. So when uh, when I used to go visit family in Argentina, there would always be the big celebration day where yeah. all the family from uh, that's in the area would come together to one household, and they would put uh, chorizos, uh, different meats, um, all sorts of stuff on, on the, the grill, and, and that's just what you ate. It was yeah. delicious food. Oh, I think that my, my Argentine place. Okay, so Empanada's place on the west side. You know that spot? It's on off of Venice Boulevard, like right, right at the. I would say the edge of uh, of Culver City and um, what's what's that? There's that little neighborhood between Culver City and Venice. Uh, Mar Vista. Mar Vista. It's yeah. on the edge of Mar Vista. And those, yeah, those. Rich to know those. <laughs> nah, man. No, this, this, that's, that's, that's like one of those a, in between uh, neighborhoods. It's yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's turning okay. now. It's turning now. Yeah. But there's this spot called Empanadas Place that I fucking. I know. I know that place. Hard. I know. You know it's the got white the blue, paint. Yeah, 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 yeah. White and blue white. paint. Yeah. Right, and I'm gonna then, do a shameless plug for my friend. She just started doing empanadas through Instagram called Mama's Empanadas. But I think she's actually Uruguayan. But. Like she throws some eggs in there. She got three flavors. She got a truck, or what does she got going? No, on? she just straight does it out of her pad. And then you can just get them. Tell, yeah, me, tell her to send me a care package. I'll do a review <laughs> on the air. <laughs> but yeah, shout out Mama's Empanadas. Check them out on Instagram. Go order some. Sounds amazing. <laughs> the other spot I fuck with super hard is Catalina's Market, which is up on Western, right below, right south of Hollywood. I guess it's East Hollywood, um, and it's just a market, yeah. like a South American market, mostly Argentine food, and they have the best chori pan like mm -hmm. just and it's like four dollars mm -hmm. you know you can just like rock you can just go to the there and find all like when i would drink a lot of mate which i don't currently drink a ton of i would go get my little my little flavors in there my cruz de malta 
and uh, my brother, shout out Young Dweez, he always fucks with like the orange flavored mate, mm. like, <laughs> the mint flavored ones. I don't really fuck with the flavors. Are you a mate guy? I, I don't drink mate, no. Mm. No. Too young, man. You go, you go be like yeah. 35. I don't, I don't really drink coffee. Wait, I don't drink mate. Start, just stay, wait till you start roaming around the parks with your yeah. hands. <laughs> your All right. Well, since we're on Argentinian food, there's a spot in El Monte Rosemead area called Tito's Market. Mm. But they have the bomb um, uh, Argentinian sandwiches out of there. Yeah. Little ribeye sandwiches, Milanesa sandwiches. That's what my mom used to do. She We wouldn't really buy like pre-made empanadas or anything like that. Mm-hmm. She'd go just to a market it. and like get the dough and oh, um, yeah. cook it at home. Gotta love mom's cooking. Mm. That's amazing. So, <laughs> both of them, they did they meet before they came to LA or were they? No, they actually met in LA. Uh, I think through mutual friends, just uh, Argentinian friends, mm-hmm. and they met in LA. Very cool. And the rest of the family was there. They're here. Do you ever think that they would go back, or would you ever try living in Argentina? Hmm. I love. I want to. I love exploring and traveling and adventuring and that sort of thing. So I think living in Argentina isn't something that would be out of the question. Um, I just, uh, I do really enjoy living in L.A. L.A. is the best city in the world. I mean... I love visiting Korea, too, but... Never gonna happen. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like... You wouldn't even do, like, a year in Korea? I might, but, like... I would do nothing but just be partying for a year. It's just... There's a lot of partying in Korea. <laughs> I don't know if my it would, it would tear you apart, is what you're saying. Yeah, I would. I would probably ruin my life if I lived in Korea for a year. <laughs> like, either like through the corporate system, which is a shit show, um, as far as like the corporate ladder and like mm. corporate hierarchy goes. And I corporate would, drinking. Yeah, and corporate drinking, along with regular drinking, with all the, you know people that either left to Korea or got deported to Korea, you know, like mm. there's just so many opportunities to get drunk all day out there and that's scary. Yeah, but same. If, but if Fern went to Argentina for a year, for example, he would get to go to like any of any list of like some of the best stadiums and the best like club atmospheres in the world. That's like true. week in and week out if you Fern want. might also get herpes in fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. The, the party scene also <laughs> <laughs> Party scene is also kind of wild in Argentina. Yeah, man. Uh, everyone's so beautiful in Argentina. That's dude, because they're like Europeans, that's, like European-looking girls that speak Spanish. That's yes. Like, it's oh. fucking wild. Like, oh, they're gorgeous. Yeah. You know what? I think I might live there for a little yeah. while. Based on this conversation. <laughs> Just based on based on I'm not going to lie, man. Like, girls like that are down in Argentina or girls that are in Europe, like, where, like, there's just so many pretty-ass girls. They don't even know how pretty they are. Yeah. But once you bring them to America, they're like, wait, I could be an Instagram model? <laughs> yeah. Then you're fucked. You just paid for a girl to come here and leave you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. But, uh, and on that note, <laughs> we're um, going to take our first break. He has something to say. Oh, what do you want to get into? No, well, nothing important, but just uh, <laughs> to, a- to, answer, to answer the question right. definitively, it's something, I think I would do it short term. I'd, I'd move somewhere short term. Um, mm. But I think I, I'd always end up spending most of my time here in LA, and, and I got projects going on and things I want to carry out first. So have you have you ever left home for a year, like just dude? This is living. a young man you're talking to. I he know that's what these, I'm asking. He has all these experiences just waiting. For it's him in crazy. The no, no. When He's I really good. think about how young Fern it is, just like it kind of blows my mind. I'm not actually 15, by the way. I said that <laughs> earlier in the podcast. Well, like you can't grow that type of mustache. <laughs> you're 22. How old are you? 22. 22. Yeah. yeah. 22 so we year met Fern when. Well, I met Fern when he was 20. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 22 Fern and 20 Fern are, like, different people. 
Way I don't think I don't know if I talked to him when he was 19, but it would have probably been when you were 19. You were at the parking lot. Weren't you at the d- drum sessions no, at Lot dude, 6? No, I'm talking about uh, yeah, but oh, I'm talking about at the drum sessions? No, no, no. I'm talking uh, about oh, I'm talking oh, about the shit. Barca and uh Juventus Champions League game. You were there? Yeah. Damn, he was 19 then. I no, you were the 18? Barca Juventus? Yeah. That's like 2015. Champ- no, this was like the very first ever LAFC watch. Oh, he was 18 I was then. I was 17. You, you were 17? I was 17. You were wearing an Argentina jersey. I was wearing right. a, a Argentina jersey. Yes. Argentina jersey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't remember Christ. if I talked to you. We might have talked. I did you have the stash? I'm yeah, I think so. I would have remembered talking. But there was a time I don't you didn't I, have the stash. Oh my god. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to go talking, for, by the way. No, but this is what I'm talking about. We're older gentlemen. Uh, Slim and I, 86, fucking, or you're 85. Hey, we're a month apart. You don't apart. need to put me out come there. Come on, like, man. All right, whatever. All right, come on. Well, so not when there's people younger is, here, dog. My point is, he's got, he's gonna have all sorts of changes. He's gonna have mustaches, then he's not yeah, gonna, he gonna have mustaches. He's gonna have long hair, he's gonna have none of that. He's gonna fall in love. He's gonna fall out of love. He's gonna live in different countries. To be firm, dude. I'm excited. And on this note of jealousy. We're going to take our first break because we got a PP. BRB. We're back in the back. We got Fern. (laughs) Right, Chuck. Right beside me, the mighty Fern. He's a... one of the most remarkable people for me in the LAFC community because of the sheer amount of foresight, uh, grown manness, it, despite his young age. You're talking about a guy who at 17 and 18, all I could think about is trying to get girls into the <coughs> jacuzzi. Mm. Oh, you had a jacuzzi? My bad time. I had a jacuzzi. Oh, kill him. And all Fern was thinking about was how I can build the best supporter culture in Los Angeles. That's not all I was thinking about. I also had girls in the jacuzzi. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. But it's, what was it? True story. I think we were just looking at photos. June June 6th, 2015. I think your first event, right? Yes. I think it was May. Late May. Barcelona against Juventus. Champions League final. LAFC, perhaps their first watch party, I believe. Um... And I do remember seeing a young gentleman who I would later learn as Fern with an Argentine Messi jersey. We were both talking. We're unsure if we ended up actually having a conversation that day. Well, with all the Messi goals going on. Uh, did he score that game? I know they fucking... Uh, they, I don't think he scored that game. They battered him, though. It in, was towards, towards the end, Rakitic, right? Neymar, and Suarez, I think. Look at this memory. Look I think. Memory. I don't know. See what happens when you don't smoke bud, guys? <laughs> West side, I still smoke uh, it. So that was sort of the day that, I, you know, <clears throat> if you've ever had a chance to read the story that I wrote about the Expos, which I should apologize while Fern's here. Oh, for, this is a good story. <laughs> for, uh, for Of all the supporter articles I wrote, the only one I kind of like screwed up on was the Expo article. Of so course, it's an Expo, Expo article. <laughs> story of our fucking lives. And, uh, well, you know, we got it right in the end, though. We did. With some tweaks. We, yes, the rollout, I feel like first impressions are important. The rollout got kind of messed up because we ended up Bumbled having to it. take down the, all the social media um, posts about the Expo's article. 
<laughs> Can I tell this story real quick? Let me sure. tell the, Let me tell this story. All right. I don't so, mind criticism, guys. I make mistakes, lots of them. All right. Dweezy is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no. What happened was Far from that. I got I got added to this email chain kind of late. I don't know why I got added so late, but uh, it was uh, Dwyer uh, and uh, some of the other SG leaders, and they were planning this uh, like article campaign thing where you were going to write a story and all the. SGs. Mm. Yeah, um, I wanted to give it was the first year and I thought the whole idea was like it's gonna be so cool <coughs> to look at this shit in like ten or fifteen years yeah. to know like where things were in the beginning and think about where all these people and all these groups are then. Mm. And also yeah. give like just respect to all the people who put in so much work beforehand. Yeah, so Dwyer's plan was to follow each SG Dweezies. to one. Nobody calls him Dwyer. It's weird. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Dweezy's plan was to follow each SG to one away trip. And because I got added late to the chain, uh, all the main ones, uh, the first game against Seattle, the Carson game. Uh, yeah, and a lot of it got, it was pretty haphazardly done, which yeah. I take the blame for. I had no idea what I was doing in terms of trying to plan this because there was only so many away days and I knew I wanted to try to get as many groups as I could in that first season. Mm. And we also didn't know where, like, where the lines were because yeah. there were sort of like five of the groups were sort of bigger and then there was these other groups and there was like different yeah. ways. And there Shout was out to fringe groups. Yeah, and there's like university groups. Which Ven uh, Venice, uh, what was that SG? No, we, we were the fringe group. <laughs> no, but before, they were fringe, fringe. <laughs> compared, to, compared to them, you're not a fringe group. Like um, so the point, the point is just like, <coughs> This wa this wasn't a master plan. This was like Dewey's with a wheelbarrow excuses. rolling down the stairs. Trying to make excuses. I am trying to make so excuses. So pretty much all the main away games got chosen by other SGs and Expos as one of the biggest SGs kind of got stuck with like, "Hey, do you want to do Salt Lake away? Do you want to do fucking Den Colorado away?" And I'm like, you know, Dwyer, we're, we're taking, uh, du sorry, Dweezy. <laughs> like, like, Dwyer! Dweezy, we're, t we're taking like 160 people to Seattle, you know, can't we trade with Luckies or whatever, you know? Uh, you know, and they're like, oh, sorry, dude, it's, it's, I tried to talk to a few SG leaders, it didn't end up happening. So it wasn't, you know, all, all your fault. But, uh, so we pretty much got stuck with RSL, and you said, Fern... I'll make this story work, Fern. I will make, I'll, you know, I'm gonna, uh, he had a meeting with uh, me, Paul, and Monty um, a few weeks before yeah. the away trip, and he said, I'll, you know, I'll take all that into account, you know, I'm just gonna kind of follow you guys, and we'll write a little story about Expos, it'll be nice, it'll be nice. So, <laughs> a little story. <laughs> a little story. The, the sounds, sounds accurate so yeah. far. So, the Salt Lake game was the second game of the year. It followed the Seattle away game, the first game in our history, where everyone went ball to the, balls to the wall. And by the time RSL came around, everyone's like, nah, I don't want really, to. I'm tired, dude. I'm still <laughs> hungover. I don't want to go to RSL. So literally, there was like a crowd of 15 of us uh -huh. in RSL, and I was the only expo. And I'm like, well, a lot of people Dweezy. were the only whatever that. Yeah, 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 was. yeah like, fair there's enough. There's a lot of solo. But I'm like, Dweezy. Like, I don't feel like this represents Expos well. You're just, it's going to be a story on me and not Expos. Dweezy's like, I'll, I'll make sure to take that into account. It'll be a story on Expos. Trust me. I'm like, okay, fine. I'm a good guy. You know I'm a good guy. So I said, okay. I said, okay. We fucking, I meet Dweezy in Salt Lake. I, I took a, I road tripped with uh, Gil and Oscar up mm. from LA. We, we stopped in Zion. It was a cool trip. And uh, so I meet Dweezy in, in RSL. Um, it was just like a few hours that we spent together. We met at uh, one of the pregame bars that we had to... 
all 20 people had to move bars because I wasn't 21 yet. That's how <laughs> that's how ridiculous Utah drinking laws were. We weren't even allowed to stand. Fuck your in low the percentage bar. beers. Right. And uh, so which was part of the story? Which is which is part of the story? <laughs> so, because Gil and Oscar drank uh-huh. and I didn't drink at all. Oh. So I had to drive to the stadium, right? <laughs> so when when we all get in the car to drive to the stadium, me, Gil, Oscar, and Dweezy, <laughs> I put on as a joke a uh, Chief Keef song because it was an inside joke between me, Gil, and um, Oscar that, it, you know, I'm the young, reckless kid, so I'm putting on all this <laughs> awful music, you know? I'm putting all this dumb music on and they're like <laughs> listening to their classics and I'm like jokingly trying to be rebellious and put on this new trap music, yeah. right? Oh, uh, well, okay, the game happens. We won 5-1. For the record, I like Chief Keef better even now than the classics that were okay. also in the car. Whatever. So, <laughs> I fuck with Chief Keith too. So the game ends 5-1. The game goes well. Like the 20 of us out sing this crowd, big crowd of of fans. It goes well, whatever. A few weeks later, the Mormon choir wasn't there that day. More, well, and they won. That was like, you're underselling it. That was a pretty fun experience of being just like 15 people. It was still, fun. Oh, I'm not like, saying I'm not yeah, saying yeah. that was bad. We had a great time. I had a He's great time. He's not saying that was bad. He's saying your article. Was I, bad. A few weeks a few weeks oh! later. <laughs> A few weeks later, it wasn't that bad, but uh, I'm trying to make this story entertaining. A few weeks later, throw me under the bus. Uh, throw me under the bus. So I was, bro, I, I was doing. I know CPR. I was doing something that I, I couldn't read the article immediately as it happened. I got a notification from Paul and Monty like, "Oh, the, uh, the Expos thing dropped. The Expos thing dropped." And then Paul's like, "What? What?" <laughs> and I'm like, "What? What do you mean?" It's like, um, it, "Well, it's getting better, I guess." I'm like, "What the fuck is?" It's getting better. I I, 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 I find some time. I want to know how fast anyone read that article because it was fucking long. It the maximum speed you could have written read that. Well, no, article he he texted like him and then minutes. he was going through it as oh, he uh, and he's yeah, like, so "Oh yeah, it's, it's like getting better." Updates. Yes, yeah. So patience. I, I'm on chapter three. I'll get there. <laughs> I find some space and time or whatever, and I start reading the article. And dude, Sam, this was like an article. The story was about some juvenile 17-year-old jackass. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Expos article. There's a line in the article where Dweezy's like, he enters the car and puts on Chief Keith as he <laughs> enters the radio. And I'm like, no! And I'm like, That's the what? shit I don't like. Hey. What? Uh, and it was like, I I was just very uncomfortable with like all of that. I, you know? So I... You should have had more people at RSL. Man. I wanted... They all flaked. <laughs> no, they yeah. all flaked. They yeah, were like, oh, I'm tired. I can't yeah. go. So I, you know, I got onto the, on the phone with uh, like Pat and then I got on the phone with Dweezy and... We decided, uh, all right, this needs some reworking. And then, you know, it got worked out. We added some quotes from uh, Sergio and uh, some uh, took out the Chief Keef shit. And, uh, <laughs> favorite part. And, that would have uh, been my favorite part of the article. No, it, it ended up that the article was very good. Uh, Dweezy got into the history of uh, Expo Park and Expos and the whole shebang. So it ended up being a very good article. But it was just funny how uh, we arrived to the original. In my defense. <laughs> and... Uh, what I was sort of <coughs> alluding to when we went on this tangent, um, my respect for Fern was exactly because he was so young yeah, yeah, yeah. that he was able to do all this shit. And so I, of course, there wasn't a lot of you expos. But you know what's funny? That. Is I think if even if there was 30 other expos there, I might have still written something similar because to be a young person and take charge of something to, to lead something... In a weird way, I think, like, 
I was like just struck by Fern. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of these guys, like they had coming from different parts of life, different times of their life. Like there was like a young dude who was out there fucking doing it, who was really dedicated, who was like defiant, who was like showing active support in like a way that I thought was special in the second away game, even though he was like, you know, sort of there on, on his own. And like all these, a lot of people were there on there. It was kind of a special game for me. Yeah. I have like as many cool memories of that day as this. And I was really just trying to show it. But as a 20-year-old reading that, I'm sure I would have been like, fuck that too. Prior, Don't, well, don't, no, this don't is, put the spotlight on me. Don't make me look like a... This is know. what I said off pod was when you're young, you don't appreciate your youth. You know what I mean? So like exactly what you said. When you're 17, 20, whatever, like, and someone's talking about like your, you, your, how young you are. And you take it as an insult. Exactly. But exactly. Here's the thing. I but don't even listen to Chief. Ten Keith. years. <laughs> ten, ten years from now. <laughs> but I said to do he's like ten years from now, like you might want that, that other part of the of story the, yeah, the to version, be in yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's well, what's so dope about it is. But I will say also shout out to all the fucking expos who are real ones. There was no way I was ever trying to make that like not their article. And as the n- next. Ten pages of the article show. It's a and on that bigger, note, let's let's bigger. get let's get into how, how we, the expo started because yeah. it still blows my mind. And this is just a little precursor to the story is how the expos came to be. One of my favorite supporters groups, like family. One. <laughs> but like, and and they represent so hard from us for us front and center, and they came from a fucking Facebook group. So explain that story to us. Well. My plan originally wasn't to start a, a supporters group. Um, speaking of Boca Juniors, there's a, a fan, like an online fan page on, on, I think, Twitter and Facebook of just Boca Junior fans that has like over a million, uh, over a million followers. So I thought um, when I was looking at LAFC and, and the project, I was like, this club has just so much potential. It just feels like it could be LA's authentic football club. And... I feel like this could turn into something where I could start one of these online communities and create a voice for the fans where we have hundreds of thousands of people talking about news and rumors and and player signings and that sort of thing. So I originally just started a a Facebook uh, uh, group just as uh, like just that, a a Facebook group where people could chat about news and ideas and rumors and and that sort of thing. And the timing was was pretty lucky because um, like... A week or two after I started that Facebook group, the first um, stadium announcement was made. Not that it was going to be at Expo Park, just that, like, hey, this is our first renderings of, yeah. of what would en- eventually become Bank of California Stadium. And um, so the club kind of just started exploding, and the, the groups just started exploding. And I think people didn't really know what the Facebook page was. Is this a supporters group? Is this just, like, an online forum? What is I, I would get direct messages like, hey, are you guys a supporters group? If you aren't, I'm trying to join a new supporters group. Um, a lot of people wanted a new LAFC original group mm. um, that they could join because at the time, the only two supporters groups were Black Army mm-hmm. and the Union Ultras, which mm-hmm. are now District 9 Ultras. Yeah. And by the way, we, ha- we have a great relationship with both, yeah. both of these SGs, but... Just at the time, people wanted like something new that didn't have any connections to so the previous clubs, and so I, I got a lot of messages like, "Hey, is this a supporters group?" Blah blah blah, and so I decided, uh, "All right, let's like dive in 
full force uh, and and make <coughs> this an SG. So I, I I put an announcement on on the Facebook group that this would be an official SG soon. I think you actually quoted that that um, post on your article. So you did something right. And then, uh, <laughs> Damn, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Yo, yo Fred, I could just not release this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I have that power. <laughs> we waste two and a half hours of your day. I'm just joking. Um, and uh, so yeah, so we decided to to. It started as LAFC supporters group. It it didn't have a name, oh. and that was uh, kind of to follow what the club was doing. That. Uh, bring the community into it. What what do members want the name to be? What mm. do the members want the culture to be behind the SG? Mm. Um, I wanted that voice to be in the hands of a lot of... Um, I, I thought it would be appealing that uh, someone would look at that and say, hey, I could be part of creating this SG, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and thinking about the name. And wait, and that just, sort of just hold up. Okay, then this proves my point. Fern is like a 17 or 18-year-old man and maybe you don't like you don't believe me when i say this but like to see and to want to include like all these other voices and like look at lafc's example and be like wow that's cool that they like sort of open the door i'm gonna kind of do the same thing like my brain couldn't even work that way yeah. at your age like i started I this shit so, on my name i'm like this thinking shit. about like what the burrito i'm gonna eat in the <laughs> night. you know like i gotta test later like like Arsenal's playing tomorrow morning. Like I don't even have like the vision to to be able to say, okay, you know what? Like these guys, I think are doing it the right way. I feel like I've got a role in LAFC. What what if we did that for the supporter group? What if we open it up? Like that blows my mind that you thought of it that way. And yeah. you, it's hard for anyone to recognize that about themselves. But I must co- compliment you on that. Part. <laughs> Continue, Fern. I'm uh, over here giving you compliments. You're over here cutting me down. I'm, no, no, that was that was great. <laughs> that was good. That was great. <laughs> He's uh, like, you are spot on, By the sir. way, by the way, Dweezy is a fantastic writer. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late, bro. It's too late. They already killed the article. So, okay. So you- no, in his defense, the other seven articles were fantastic. <laughs> they were. <laughs> no, and the, and the Expo article ended up being fantastic. No, man. Yeah, that's and it was hard. a long article, so it, was, it, it had a lot of really good information in it. Okay, but... but, uh, but once you get to chapter four, it's dope. So, so <laughs> some of my favorite things about that was this part of the... Was this part of the story though? Were you like, what were the other names? It was like, we had a fi- well, we had, we went through literally a hundred names that people mm. threw out there, and the final five that people voted on was um, Sunset Society, Expo Originals, One Ten, uh, no North End Guardians, One Ten Republic, and was that four or five? Uh, that was four. There's one other. It, it might have been so bad that I don't even remember what the last <laughs> name was. Um, but yeah, so between all those names, uh, Expo Originals won. Actually, it was, it was kind of close between, I believe, Expo Originals and um, 110 Republic, mm. I think was the second place. So we, you might be uh, talking to the, the 110 Republic guy right now, which is kind of <laughs> well, weird. Well, as, as some guys sitting in the backyard in a neighborhood called <laughs> Exposition Park, I'm pretty happy that it was Expo. Yeah, Expo I, 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 I voted for Expo Originals. Yeah. I thought that was the best name for sure. And so, I mean, after that, you know, you, you guys are, you're getting more and more people coming through, people like Monty, people who, you know, have their own histories of football support and what it means. But, like, it sounds like you guys sort of just kept that same mentality of, like, groupthink. Like, what what do you guys want to do? Well, let's do that. Like, no one was really, like, 
you know, muscling this into some direction or another. Like, you yeah. could have just been like, everything needs to be about, like, Boca Juniors. We're going to be called Boca LA. Like, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you could have done but you didn't. And you left it open. So yeah, describe that process, like, sort um, of being involved, but also having that leading from behind the scenes. Just, the, just the same thing. You know, I was thinking of ways that I could grow the group as quickly as possible. And I think that when someone sees that they have a voice in what they're going to join, that makes it very appealing to them, you know. So I, I just made it very obvious that this was going to be a, a very democratic group where no decisions were made without member input. And so that's just like I kept that from the very beginning. And, um, yeah, to this day, we still we don't really make big decisions without talking about it in our group first. Mm -hmm. uh, we're a little bit more – it's, it's much more difficult to have that kind of mentality when you have – 300 people in your SG yeah. it just at a certain point too many cooks in the kitchen will ruin the course you know what I mean yeah. um, so now we have like committees and and it's very transparent still but we have committees and a little bit more organization for mm. things to work out um, but it's still don't give them all the sauce man don't give them all the <laughs> oh, sauce oh yeah sorry just in case some other supporters <laughs> the Miami no sauce. Remember, we were having this conversation it was like there's no sauce it's just called like doing it yeah it's <laughs> well, just called execution well, I mean there's still a little bit of sauce maybe yeah. not sauce but some seasoning you know okay, what I mean seasoning we seasoning. haven't turned it into a sauce yet <laughs> <laughs> but you might we might and then sell that you shit. know we like the dry rub <laughs> <laughs> so all that time ago are you like making some clicks online it, you know this thing begins and and then you guys are sort of like that first original group and and then now fast forward you have all these members like how when you reflect on it what are some of the emotions or the the things that come to mind like now being this many years into it um that's an interesting interesting question actually because I, I don't get to reflect on it very much i feel like everything is so fast-paced the things that still go on in the SG that you don't really get a time to sit back and think with a yeah. beer like, you know, that's fucking cool what we did, you know? Um, that's what this pod's for. Th thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Um, thinking about it now, I just, you know, I'm proud that, you know, I have a, a legacy that will live on through whenever I pass. Um, I'm glad that people, I think the thing that makes me happiest is these strangers come together and become the best fucking friends on the planet. Exactly. People that didn't know each other are literally like tied at the hip right now mm -hmm. in expos. And it's like, it's, it just makes me so happy to, that we, we built a community that people feel this way about each other and have the same mindset and are just, you know, are, are living different lives, happier lives because of it, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, Initially, we've, we've it was had, very we've had tough. We had a lot of expos on our pod. You know, we our got, first our we first got, episode was an expo. We got obviously created the creative juices of Mr. AC, Alex Cervantes, hey. and we got Edgar, the imagery wizard who also shoots shoots of the games. And you see some of his photos on these giant marquees. I mean, <laughs> these are guys that like are expos. You got Ipe flying in from Japan. Who's that was expo. fucking crazy. Yeah. Dude, we showed up to the Kansas City away game last season. And I go down into the away section, and there's just some dude in one of those uh, Japanese headbands that the Japanese wear at, at sporting games. And I'm like, uh, he, ha he had an expo scarf. I'm like, uh, dude, what's up? Like, uh, <laughs> like what's your name? Like, Who are you? <laughs> Ipe, you know. And he had flown from Hiroshima to Kansas. Kansas? Yeah. Not New York, not L.A., to fucking Kansas City to watch the last game of the season and support our boys. 
And that that's fucking crazy. I still don't even comprehend. Oh, we're getting that. we're getting Ipe over here on the pod and discussing his story. Don't worry about He's it. Coming. My ass might go to Hiroshima and just find Ipe and go to a game with him, and then we'll be talking. That'd be cool. all That'd be Japanese cool pod coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's coming in February. I can talk to him. Yeah, no, we're gonna make it happen. But like, I mean, just think about that, right? And, and this is Monty was our first guest. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Monty. Like, you know, shout out to Benny, Benny Thrifts. Mm-hmm. You came over here with the coolest bag of chips I've ever seen. It's like Mark. Yeah, Mark and Lindsay both both came through here. So we've had like you know a lot of them. And if you're a listener of the podcast, you've you've heard and you've seen like the expos all over this. And and it is like, as as Fern said before, like I don't think any of us on the table, you know, could could overstate the importance of of Black Army and District Nine Ultras and all the experience that they brought. That being said, it's also so cool the way that Cuervos Tigers Expos like these groups that came out of nothing. Um, that just that just sort of followed the club's lead in some ways of wanting to be inclusive, wanting to open things up, sort of like seeing where it all goes, mm-hmm. being super uncertain about it, but leading the right way. Like the way that it all coalesced, it's so cool that all those groups now have their distinct identities, and there's so much overlap between you guys and people really, really get along not only within the groups but like between the groups. Yeah. And of course, that's like the brilliance behind the whole idea of 3252 and an umbrella organization in yeah. general. But like. Man, Fern, like, but when I really, and I'm really being real about it, it's like, you have to, at some point, just, like, give yourself a fucking pat on the back, because you did this shit when you were young, and you... Oh, hey, hold on, don't get this shit twisted. (laughs) I know Fern. He pats himself on the back plenty. What? (laughs) I'm just kidding. What? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But, no, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, man. Like, thinking about what I was doing when I was 17, what was I doing when I was 17? Like, I, I think Slim and I that. just now became responsible enough to show up at something every week when we started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, man. <laughs> you know Possibly. It took us this long. And um, I just think there's something you've said. And, and, and I know that there's many people behind the scenes at all those groups that um, maybe some of them haven't even been on the pod yet. But, like, you know, come on come on the pod and tell your story because I think it's rad. Yeah, we're coming for you, crew, and uh, Empire Boys. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be in the DM setting up that interview soon, too. But uh, on that note... We'll take another PP break. We'll be back with uh, a little bit of tea time with Dweez. Yep. Tea time. Welcome back. FCFC. Fern. Slim, Josh Spices, we don't even know where. He might be in the East Coast. He, he got a hair- be out at a party. He got a haircut and switched up on us real quick. Yeah, you know what I mean? Fern was coming on and said, nah. He yeah, was he- like, Lee left, so there goes the hair, and I'm, I'm a heretic now, so I'm not Asian Jesus anymore either. He's probably going to hate that I said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, because people always ask, me to tell them more about tea. This is all people ask me to do. They're just like, tell me more about tea. I don't want to know anything else. <laughs> I just wanted to shout out my lady, E-Man, over at Tea Habitat. We're going to be fucking drinking that Phoenix Oolong. And I never have read the package, I don't think, on air. I just want you guys to know what we drink on the show. <laughs> Dude, this is a single old tree Phoenix Dansung Oolong. Grown on the misty hills of misty hills, hills of Phoenix Mountain, 800 meters and higher above sea level in Guangdong Province, China. This is a fucking spring harvest, Chengmen, Gardenia fragrance, 
if you want to get fucking weird with yourself, <laughs> go down the Don Song Oolong rabbit hole, okay? There's no rabbit holes in the beverage world quite like it. <laughs> that sounds like a hell of a rabbit hole, Dong Song Oolong. That sounded wild. They've got all these different, like, flavors and fragrances. It's all the same thing, but different parts of the mountain, different parts of the trees have different fragrances. One's called duck shit. Oh, no. But it doesn't really taste like that. Yeah, just, I was going to say, we're like not a, trying that one. Well, it's a like, do you know what duck shit tastes like? Maybe it's it tastes delicious. delicious when it's, uh, that's true. Good Y'all point. here just eating duck ass. Y'all <laughs> you know, nasty. That's like the Lombok coffee. Have you ever had Lombok coffee? Uh, you know about that, it? What, what kind of shit is that? That's a little cre- creature, a little critter. Uh, who eats the coffee beans, takes <coughs> them out, and then people brew the coffee. Yeah. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. There's a place in uh, Santa Monica that serves it. It's called Funnel Mill. It's not too far from, like, Bay, Bay City's Italian Deli. If you fucking know your sandwiches, you better know Bay City. I mean, if you really break down cuisine and food and, like, fucked up levels, I think fried chicken is one of the most fucked up foods you could possibly eat. <laughs> You're what? literally slathering a dead chicken in its, like, fucking aerified fetus slash embryo, and then you throw it in some oil. <laughs> and some people throw a sunny side egg on top of that bitch. Oh, that's right. And I'm just like, yo, that's, when you really think about it, the probably most fucked up food you could eat is Morally a fried chicken wrong. sandwich was a, with a fucking egg on it. And now I'm hungry. But, <laughs> hey, friend, we don't, we don't flip these like this real quick. Okay, all right. And then this this tall one right here is your smell cup. Okay. Yeah, you just take that off. It's going to be fit perfect. Give a nice smell. Mm. And this is your, that's your your drink cup. And I'm just going to keep pouring you up as you need. Okay, cool. Keep on enjoying this. So my, this do I not, do I stop drinking the oh, no, tequila? Oh, no, you keep drinking all because you want. Because yeah, yeah. this is supposed to it's sober a, you up, right? Uh, the tea, tea's a good chaser. Yeah, mm. it's true. In Japan, um, like green tea is like a big chaser with whiskey. You lived out in China too. They do the same thing in China. Oh, oh! I wasn't drinking when I was in China. I was a missionary, and I was trying to spread the word of God. Keep your ears out <laughs> for the missionary episode because we is are that a going, true story? Yeah, yeah. and we are huh? gonna, we are gonna absolutely have a missionary episode. <laughs> Wait a second! And we're not talking. About, <laughs> we're not. What? We're not yeah. talking about the position. We're talking about the actual act of. You're one of the most sinful motherfuckers I know, man. What do you mean? All those hookers and. <laughs> I'm a saint. Nah, right, yeah, I'm just kidding. No hookers. No hookers. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this is coming off the hinges crazy today. <laughs> can, we, can we just talk about youth? Let's talk about youth. Oh, oh my god. god. We, like, he Why can't, both of you he guys say, re- oh my god, in the because same way? Because y'all always talk about youth not that long no, no. ago. No, check it out, check it out. He, I mean, it's right now. I know. What I want to talk about is, Fern, what are your concerns of the moment? Just as a man in the world. Um, You're 22 years old. What do you, what do you, what, what do you think about on a daily basis? Well, school... <laughs> I just you I just sent so. my uh, Cal State application, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm nervous about uh, my uh, education. Educational uh, future. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Do you know what you want to study? Marketing. Marketing. Mm. That's because of uh, it's because of the club actually. You know, I when I obviously when I started 17, 18, you're like unsure of what you want to study in college. I met Rich and like a bunch of the other guys at the club. I'm like, that's fucking dope what they do. I want to do that. So you're so, going to get so, educated and take over Rich's position one day is what hey, you're saying. you're going to have to edit this out of the Ooh, episode because I'm a... 
That's so, uh, it's my secret Richard plan. would be like the president at that point. You can take over <laughs> the VP spot. No. Wait, but no, but you're you've 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 held this loyalty for the club. Wouldn't it be hard to then go work for the club? Or do you think that this club would be easy? That's the open question for the table. Uh, yeah, that's tough. Like mixing passion and business. But don't you don't you ever feel like there are people on staff who seem like they're almost supporters, and there are people who are supporters who sometimes work for the club, and these lines are quite blurred. I got to meet a couple years ago, uh, the uh, like head of m- one of the executives at Legia Warsaw, mm-hmm. and he actually started as I think his name is Victor. Uh, he actually started as... Were you in that meeting with Victor? At the Probably. old uh, the warehouse? No. Okay. Um, Victor started as an ultra at Warsaw. And then he kind of grew the ranks. And um, he currently is uh, like one of the top guys, one of the top executives at uh, Legia Warsaw. So it's not unprecedented. Right. It's not unprecedented. Mm-hmm. And you have guys like uh, Alex and Edgar that are, you know, contributing to the club now. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. And contributing to the pod world. And to the pod. But so, you know, you, you've got this educational path. What else is going on? I mean, are you like, you're doing expos. This takes a huge amount of time. Following LAFC as a supporter, as we all know, takes a huge amount of time. What else is going on in the life of Fern? Um, I also work at Adidas part-time, so the weeks that I don't go to school, the days I don't go to school or, or do expo stuff, I'm, I'm uh, working retail, so that kind of sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Adidas is a cool-ass company. I'm, I'm rocked out in the Adidas Of course, right now. yeah. But, but just, just yeah, working day-to-day retail, day-to-day isn't great. retail isn't great. I've been, I've been there for a couple years. I think I'm going to probably try and find a new job kind of soon. Have you worked retail besides your, your fam shop? Uh, no, but I don't really like people so I can't imagine dealing with stupid ass customers all day I don't think my boss likes me because she always gives me the like 7 or 8 a.m. shifts I think she's pushing me out to be honest I'm not a morning person um so yeah work school um expos LAFC and then personal life you know I'm trying to have friends and shit Uh, (laughs) somewhere between all of that yeah so you just put that all together and that's my life I think that yeah, like, you never really realize at the time, I'm just going to keep talking like an old man who's really not that much of an older <laughs> man than you, but like, what's so cool is you can do whatever the fuck you want. You can do anything you want right now, and that's like the coolest part about it. You can go, and you can go live in Argentina, you can start a supporters group, although that wasn't the thought that I had. You could go, you know, chase a girl you sort of love across the globe and come back brokenhearted for it you could like start like a, a weird business that like seems like a bad idea and totally fail and it's fine and if all these things sound foreign to you just wait <laughs> it doesn't sound foreign to me but i i feel like uh kind of in a weird position that i have i feel like i have my path uh mapped out like i got my plan like i know what i want to do in a few years and uh, i know what i want to do after that and uh but it don't 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 worry it's not going to work out like that. However you think it's going to work out, unfortunately. I mean, it might work out in a similar fashion, but it's probably not going to be the way you think. Uh-huh. So be prepared for that. Okay. My question is, what did your friends who weren't involved in football culture think yeah. when you started this thing and you, like, started to go? Or were they just like, uh, dude, like, the fuck are you doing? Were they like, oh, that's cool, man, but I'm, like, not interested. Stop being weird. Like, what, were the, what was the reaction? Uh, I actually didn't talk that much about it to my friends early on Ooh, I thought that they well, might sure, think it's very weird 
mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't want my friends who didn't think I was weird to think of me as weird because mm. everyone else thought of me as weird. Mm-hmm. So, but later on, uh, in the inaugural season last year, um, a couple of my very good friends from from high school um, who follow me on social and obviously now my socials all like. 100% soccer, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, I try I, I try so hard to sprinkle other shit in. I do, too, but I, I don't <laughs> have anything so else going find, on. Hey, all you guys got to do is just take pictures of books and put them online. Oh, my God. I almost I did fuck- that. I went to the, one of those mini libraries that people put in their gardens and shit, uh-huh. and I took out an a encyclopedia of history because I love history. <laughs> and I'm like, it might be cool if I post this on my Instagram story. I took the photo. I'm like, yeah, I'm a huge douchebag if I post this photo. <laughs> so I didn't, Fern, I didn't post my this. My Instagram is only pictures of books. Yeah. Are you saying I'm a huge no, but like no, no. His was an encyclopedia, though. An encyclopedia of history, and I'm <laughs> and not known as an intellectual. That, yeah, everyone knew that Fern wasn't. Really if it, it, if I post, if you post that, it's like, oh, cool, another uh, book by Dweezy. If I post it, it's like, yeah, oh, he's, he's more trying team to be a dickhead than he is scholar. Yeah, yeah, but I just I'm trying to flip the script on this shit. I don't want these to seem like endorsements. I'm gonna start posting shit that I'm not about to confuse people. That's a good. I might start so, doing that too. Even just, though I have a soccer photo yeah. posted. No, every now and again, I'll post like food pictures. Of plates after I'm finished eating them. See, this just is what to go I like. against the grain. This is what I like. I want to start seeing more of this because <laughs> I'm tired of it all going one direction. It's all like if I'm fuck one direction. This, Justin Bieber for life. I was about to make that joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm still young too, dog. You know what I mean? Fuck <laughs> no, But what was cool is I got to take like three of my closest friends from high school that I didn't really get that much into what I did, mm-hmm. and I, I took them to a, an LAFC game. And I took them into the supporter section, and they seemed very impressed. So that made me very proud that I got to share this with uh, other people other than myself. And now I take my dad uh, to most games. He tries to, uh, to to get tickets to most games, so I try and take him to as many games as possible. So yeah, and for most people, it's cool to share that that sort of thing. Most people won't get it till they're there, and a lot of people won't yeah. get it even after they're there. So. I met your pops yeah. up in Seattle. Yeah, he was rad. Yeah, he, are your parents like? What did they think? Wow, this is going to be a very psychological question. I have so many thoughts on my family. Is this going to put the food on the table, (laughs) Fern? My uh, my dad, I think, is very hard to impress. Um, He, I don't think he likes to give positive reinforcement very much, just because he grew up with seven brothers, and so I think he's always on the defensive and always uh, like getting uh, preemptive strikes and that sort of thing. So he never compliments me, but I can tell like in the back of his mind, he like when he tries to talk about the LAFC games, he's like super psyched about mm. LAFC games. So I'm like, all right, that's a victory for me. My mom has never been to an LAFC game. She doesn't like doing those sorts of things outside the house. <laughs> She's not been. She's not been. I've taken her to the stadium before. Mm-hmm. She has not been to a game yet. Um, but she wa- she says she watches the games on TV and she gets super nervous during the games. So she cares and stuff yeah. like that, you know. But uh, I th- I think they're they're proud. Actually, my mom. The first time my mom ever said she was proud of me mm. was when she was criticizing how shitty I was in school, and she <laughs> said, D- "Don't get me wrong, I'm I'm proud of uh, what you do with LAFC, and I'm very like I'm amazed that you do that sort of thing, and blah blah blah." So I was like, I took that as a victory. Yeah. You know? yeah. No, when you're not good in school. Those are the types of victories you yeah. take. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so I, I know they're they're uh, very proud of what's going on and very happy with what LAFC has become. And and, and you, you said you have one sibling. Or I have one sister, one older sister. sister. What does she yeah. think of all of this? My, I don't think my sister gives two shits about what I do. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I don't think my sister gives two shits. I'll be I, honest. Uh, 
once you hit like 23, 24, I feel like randomly you'll have a drink with your sister and you'll bond. Because I have yeah. older sisters too, but they're they're like a good amount older than me. They're like six and eight years yeah. older than me. Until I turned like 22, they were just like, just get away yeah, from me. <laughs> in my sister's defense, when this started, she had moved to Texas and now she lives in Colorado. Wow. So she doesn't, you know, if she lived in LA, I probably would have taken her games and mm -hmm. shown her around. Um, but she's got her own life and important things going on and we don't talk that much. Uh, I just, that's just, it's not her fault. It's my fault. I'm, I'm just not a very communicative person. I guess, but uh, I think uh, I, I had one of those moments with my dad a couple weeks ago where um, we went to a bar together and had like tequila shots together, and I felt like, oh, this is a cool, yeah, you're this is a good now. conversation we're having. Yeah. And then the next day he went back to being my yeah, dad, of course, you know. Of so it's kind of like fuck, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I feel Old I could talk to my to sister. Break, so man. yeah. But okay, so both of you talked about how when season two was over, you needed a break and you took a couple weeks off. Um, and and did did your thing like how has your attitude towards this and in terms of like balancing your other parts of your life and your ambitions or other things you want to do changed from year one to year two until now we're entering season three like have you have you found it harder to balance it has it gotten easier are you kind of like dude I can only do this shit for so long or is it more like has it has it gassed you up? Has it made you like more want to do other things more than you had before? Like I'm interested to hear about how being involved in this way in supporter culture has changed your life outside of supporter culture. Um, I'll go first on that one. I think from year one to year two, it actually got a little easier because at that point you you're able to kind of pinpoint who the leaders are that you can trust to to build committees and and you know kind of spread the work out instead of spreading yourself thin um but at the same time it's it's accumulating like from year one to season one to season two and the seasons before that it's all this you know you're always putting in work um but i mean with me, I, I've just kind of been unwinding a little bit and just kind of taking care of the my personal responsibilities as far as the relationships outside of LAFC in my life and, you know, um, career advancements or whatever I'm doing on the side. Mm -hmm. um, so it sounds like now it's kind of getting easier to do that stuff. I think you're, maybe you're, season better, one is a little... you're able to compartmentalize it better, mm -hmm. um, or I am anyways. Uh, and hopefully that's not to the detriment of the group because I don't want like you know it's it's hard like when you have a group that big you need someone to to plot and plan events and getting together and whatnot um, and people might not be on the same page as me of like wanting to decompress from the season people might want to meet up you know consistently um, and that does happen a lot more like you know like the Expos and, and Tigers and all the other supporters groups, like you said, a bunch of people that probably would have never crossed paths or been friends in any other, you know, atmosphere came together through LAFC and now they're connected at the hip. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's, it's a whole bunch of things, but if anything, it's you feel a sense of fulfillment from, from doing all this at the end of the day just because 
you see those types of friendships and bonds that grow and you see people that might not have had any type of like community type living in their lives come to a place where for the first time they have a community they have you know a group of friends instead of just like they're they're few or whatever and and that fulfillment helps you then do that other stuff yeah, outside of life exactly. or outside of the support it's of life. it's it's just like sales to me like at a certain when point when you're selling if, life's good it, well if, <laughs> if you're a salesperson like at a certain point you sell 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 and then you kind of get drained and then the commission check comes in and you're revamped you're ready to go again mm-hmm. you know what i mean so you work 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 and you see an event that goes well or you see you know friendships brew and you know like bonds that probably will last a lifetime um from you know from what originally started as us just going to watch a soccer game and and singing chanting for a little bit Mm -hmm. like it's it's hard not to feel that sense of like oh shit like this is it's bigger than you know whatever we can even see with our eyes yeah there's people's lives that you know could have been saved through just like they didn't have anything else they just happened to stumble upon this community and they're like oh there's something fun to live for Mm -hmm. you know for me it's gotten more difficult um i feel like i was working so hard the first few years that i have burned myself out Mm -hmm. and um sometimes it's hard to keep that focus but i'm very thankful for guys like sergio in expos Mm -hmm. and and monty and the other uh leaders in the group um who have you know, on, on times that I haven't been as capable of, of doing what I used to do, they've been able to step up and, and organize things and, and do things. And so because of guys like them, Expos right now are working super well and we're a very uh, functional group, very low drama and everyone seems happy and we're doing amazing things. Um, if, if it was just me by myself still, uh, that, that wouldn't be happening. But it just, uh, for me personally, it's just... Um, you know, I feel like every year I have more and more things going on. It's mm-hmm. hard to multitask and manage uh, jobs and school and um, you know expo stuff and personal life stuff. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and so over the years I feel sometimes very gassed out. Of course. But it does it does make it worth it when you like you said like you have um, things that you you put a lot of time and effort in and it turns out beautifully mm-hmm. and you just get re-energized again yeah. and. Um, so this this off season has been good because that was a long 2019 was a long year and it was a long season. Josh and, and I say it all the time. It was probably one of the longest years of our lives. For me, definitely. Yeah. I just so many different things going on, just mentally, physically, personally, whatever. Um, and now it's like 2020 is coming, and uh, hopefully. I don't know if I want it to be a little calmer, actually. I feel, like, so lucky that we... Ha- I feel lucky that I have so much shit going on, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I remember being in middle school, being a complete fucking loser. Like, oh, I hope one day I'm busy and, you know, <laughs> and, and exhausted and, and, you know. And now I feel now, like, uh, hey, this is cool. Like, uh, I'm always out of the house with some responsibility. I'm always out of the house doing something. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that to change mm-hmm. at all. Um, you know, so... The good and the bad, you take it both, but at the end of the day, I feel very lucky with with what, where I am. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't change that for the world. Do you have a favorite memory from, you know, you talked about, like, those moments that recharge your gas tank. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about, like, favorite memories with the club and all that mm-hmm. on this podcast a lot. But do you guys, both of you, this is an open question, where you, you know, you got that that sense of fulfillment 
on something that had nothing to do with you know the game itself or the the score or the results just something you saw I, I, it doesn't I'll have to be favorite. It doesn't have to be favorite. It could just be something that I don't need comes to, to mind. Oh, uh, you got one? All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, my Like, one of my favorite moments that I saw off of anything LAFC was um, two of our members, uh, one being Creeps, who kind of comes from that whole K-Town, um, like, gangster lifestyle. And then there's uh, Sean, Parkita, Chancla Gang. Uh, we all know and love Sean, probably the happiest, jolliest Korean I've ever met. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think it was a Dodgers game that they went to together. But it was Sean hanging out with Creeps, who was with all of his old, you know, people that that are from our old neighborhood back in the day. Dudes that, you know, were, were the troublemakers in, in, in my day. Mm-hmm. The guys that I have mad love for, too. But... To see Sean hanging out with creeps and and like his old squad and shit was probably one of the funniest and dopest things to me because it just made me realize like these guys would have never became friends or cross pads unless it was for a negative reason if it wasn't for LAFC. The only other time they could have met is if they were at like a random party or club or bar and like someone was getting beat up <laughs> so like that to me as weird as it is that moment was kind of like yo like this is what it's all about is neighbors that have been neighbors their whole lives that i say it all the time that wouldn't have met if it wasn't for this club and and supporting it mm-hmm. yeah uh, i agree for the most part like in terms of just the the intimate relationships that people have, have sprung from the work that has been put in that's very special very unique like you know uh, very few people in the world i think can say that um the the images that pop out in my mind is technically i might be cheating here a little bit it's technically not anything to do with the field but i I mentioned earlier um that my dream was for in 30 years for our stadium to look like La Bombonera and that the entire stadium is singing and dancing and mm-hmm. jumping to our songs. And yet the I had te- I don't cry I don't cry very often, but the first game at our home stadium uh, against Seattle in twenty eighteen mm-hmm. when I spent ten hours the night before putting all those Stupid fucking plastic foil, gold plastic. foils <laughs> on the seats yeah. and uh, on, on the, the fu- you couldn't even see the black cards because everyone yeah. was wearing black anyways what black the, that was cards. so fucking dumb <laughs> I got up seven we didn't we finished at two in the morning we didn't I had to wake up at 7 a.m. the next Do day to finish again. putting those fucking cards yep. on but in the 88th minute when it was still nil-nil yeah. and suddenly every, everyone started ch- chanting LAFC yeah. and then you look around the stadium and everyone picked All up their those, foils yep. and they're just using their hands and and it looked a little bit like La Bomonera mm. that everyone is chanting along and singing along and you could see the choreo in the 88th minute because everyone picked up their fucking foil and then Simon hits that fucking winner. Mm. I still don't register that goal. Mm. I When that goal happened, I was numb. I, didn't, I wasn't happy. I wasn't sad. I, I don't have the same feelings for Simon. Oh, yeah, but I, I wasn't happy or I wasn't sad because I was just like... You were in shock. What? I was in shock. Mm-hmm. And t- to this day, like, I think about that goal and it's like, did that really happen? Yeah. Did that really happen? And then, you know, through the, through the months, there's moments, uh, even in small games, but particularly in big games, obviously, where 
everyone in the stadium is singing along and doing the ooh ah, the call mm -hmm. to arms, and doing the LAFC, and it's like, I thought this was gonna happen in 2042. Mm -hmm. It's 2018, it's 2019, it's happening. Yeah. And so when I see those sorts of things, I'm like, wow, like what this all this energy is, it's worth it to mm -hmm. to to put all this work in. Uh, but yeah, obviously, like when I see people at the tailgate hugging each other and embracing each other, it's like. Uh, it's a beautiful that like this family's come together and and people are happy to be here even if they have had a shitty week they look forward to this tailgate they look forward to this game and they look forward to this family and these friends that they've they've met and come together to know mm -hmm. you know well i'm gonna cheat too and give you guys two okay Both. of my own uh i'll start out with with one that's more in the direction of uh of fern here which was like you know, as someone who has no relationship, like, blood-wise or anything with Argentina, you know, I've said it on the pod before, I've been lucky enough to, like, follow the Argentine national team at now, let's see, 2006, 2010, 2014, 2018 World Cups. And, like, watching their supporter culture before every match, after every match, singing with them, doing interviews with Argentine TV on two different occasions, both in 2006 and in 2018, to talk about how special it is and they're being confused about like why some like weird dude from LA with a mustache would like be all about it. I'm just like, cause you can't like deny the feeling that like you get there, the musicality, the the rhythm, the movement, the passion, like all the things that you say that I can't, I work with words for a living. You can't describe it. You can't describe what it feels like. It's an indescribable feeling. Um, and early early on when I also was like I don't know hopefully this could one day be cool in some ways Fern's gonna think I'm just like lying about this but to see him both in Seattle and at Salt Lake in those first couple games to see him like with his foot up on the banner uh, mm -hmm. up on the banister like fucking going in like the way that people do in Argentina as if the I was so the crazy whole stadium's a <laughs> playground for them to climb up on and to just like doesn't matter where you are mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter how dangerous it is you know, like you, that feeling is coming out of your body in such a way that yeah. you have to express it Pure physically. Ecstasy. That's where this whole like this wrist motion uh, that like has now mm -hmm. caught on that like I think people think is really strange. It's like you're trying to throw that feeling on the field. Yeah, 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 you're trying yeah. to take this Try unexplainable thing and throw it there as like gas for your team. Yeah. Try and sing "Jump for LA Football Club" with your hands to your sides. You can't do it. You gotta fucking jump for LA yeah. football. Well, you know, there, you gotta there put your was hands a supporters up. group that did it and. I forget what which one it was, but there was a video of it. But you could hear the the chant and the cadence of it. But then they were just still, and it was weird. Well, I don't know. <laughs> some people. No, I, I hear what you mean. It's it's it comes out of you. It, yeah, like yeah. the motion doesn't make sense until you're doing it, and then yeah. you're like, "That's the only, that's the only thing I can do." Yeah, there, like, there I have almost... been matches where I I elbowed Sue in the face like four <laughs> times. Just you know what I mean? Because yeah. hand movements can't stop. I almost ripped Julio's shirt apart that first game in in Seattle. We were both in the front row. Uh, trying to like capo a little bit, direct the crowd, <laughs> and when that Rossi goal goes in, I just fucking stuck my hand out to the side and I fucking pulled my chest in, and it was just ecstasy. It was that first game. I think that first game in Seattle, 2018. God damn it! It's probably it's the craziest I've ever been. I don't know if you been. ever heard about all this, Slim. <laughs> yes, I get it. It was amazing. Fern, do you know what? Is there a word in Spanish? Is there an Argentine word for that motion? Because I only I don't ever know. noticed that from, like, these national team games. I don't right? think there is. It's just what you do over there. You're just with your fucking wrist, and you flick yeah. it back. 
you so, gotta make sure to make sure the the palm is up because if not it looks like you're doing a salute, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and the, and the arm's not the arm's not the arm's not stiff either look it's, it's, no, it's, like, it's like it's like it's flimsy you're, it's you're like, in a way you're trying to like throw your hand off your arm yeah yeah you're trying you know? to flick it yeah yeah um so that was so that's one um and so to see fern like doing that in that way i was like really early on before the whole stadium thing i'm like we have people like that who are involved in the club who are already doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought it's going to take us some time to adapt these worldwide supporter cultures, Argentine supporter culture being my personal favorite, mm -hmm. like, to see, to see them come out. So that was so cool. And I remember even thinking, like, you know, and I love all the cultures that are involved, but I remember even thinking, like, I think it's rad that we got people who, who, who have family in Argentina. I think it's rad that we got people from these different places because they bring those traditions that then spawn new things. So that, for me, was one. Um, and another one that was, like, maybe more in the direction of the example Slim brought up was we had a barbecue over here, mm. a FCFC barbecue, towards the end of season two, and those people who were late late night you might have heard some of them on the barbecue episode which by the time this comes out that episode will have come out and uh you know music is probably the only other thing that i've ever had that's brought me so many friends or connect connected me to so many people i didn't know or from different places and uh when i was 18 my best friend died in a drunk driving accident mm -hmm. and i was this is the same around the same time where Fern was starting a supporter group, and I was a you know I was a I was a goddamn mess. This was 2004, and uh, you know I was about ready to graduate college or I'm sorry graduate high school. But you know best friend died, got to go to the funeral. She she was living in Orange County down in Los Alamitos at the time, and I went to that that funeral. We sat up in the front like family friend the whole time. I like will never forget like so many memories of that day. Like you know like the the girl her little sister like crying into my shirt like my shirt getting soaked um you know being in the front pew of like a church that was full of students because it's a high school student when anytime a high school student passes yeah. much less a high school student that's well liked and i'm walking out of the back of the church and the very last pew there's this like it's, this is a sea of white this is mostly a white orange county town my friend was white there's this like kind of cool looking black dude with a fro and um he recognized one of my friends that was with me up in the front and and his name was arthur and Arthur, I didn't know anything about. Mm -hmm. And that whole day was like the worst day of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, you're losing your best friend. But um, he came with us to like this post-funeral, I don't know what the hell you call it, meal. Mm -hmm. Couldn't eat a damn thing, but he was talking to me about rap music. And we College Dropout just came out, Kanye mm -hmm. West's first album. And we were just like jonesing on that record mm -hmm. and like talking about the beats and all this stuff. And like, long story short, like Arthur becomes one of my best friends, right? But like only in music, mm -hmm. like, you know, you fast forward 15 years to this barbecue, um, you know, like I still know him exclusively, mostly through music stuff. We go to concerts together, you know, he was part of like <laughs> a, a cartoon that we were going to make about a rap, a mermaid that wrapped underwater at one point like <laughs> that I was writing. Um, and my, and my cousin, Ben, Benny Blanco, if you've heard an episode, he was, he was, he was animating. Maybe that'll come out someday. He was like the voice of that mermaid, right? So we like involved, become good friends. I introduce him to football culture because I think it's amazing, but he's like, no, knows nothing about it. Like mm -hmm. couldn't be less in that world. He knows basketball. He knows football. He's kind of a big sports guy, but he's mostly just like chill, right? Comes to a game. He's just like, what is this? Right. Doesn't get it. Like comes again starts like starting to feel those feelings you know starts to really get into it anytime i've got a spare ticket i give it to arthur because he's you know he saved my life that day mm -hmm. um that day at the barbecue 
I see Arthur towards the end, like having this really intense conversation with Ray, right? Like these two people <laughs> in the history of civilization would never cross paths. Mm. Like nothing about anything having to do with either of them would ever, it's just impossible. It's improbable that they could ever cross paths. But you find Arthur, this kid who's just learning about football culture for the first time, hearing Ray's stories about, oh like, God. you know, early supporter stuff that they had done, like, driving buses to games and, like, different things of, like, getting into, like, you know, these these little hilarious situations. And I think they might have been talking about the New York, what happened in New York when some, you know, some shirts were stolen from, from D9 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Arthur's eyes are as big as planets, dude. He's just <laughs> like, what is this? Like, what is this world? And he's just, like, so in, you know? He's, like, so in at that point. And to see him, like you know, go from zero to that uh, with a complete stranger and, like, having those things come to, to... It's, like, that's some, like, interdimensional, like, star shit, you yeah. know, where I'm just, like, damn. To even have seen and witnessed that conversation... Like, I wasn't even participating in that much because I'm sitting here, like, going back and forth between these two people, both of whom who I have so much respect for, but both of whom who, like, are from literally different universes. Mm-hmm. Might as well... It might have been, like, time travel <laughs> between these two, right? And yet... We all know that there's people in the North End, in your groups, that, like, these kind of things are happening all the time. So, yeah, all those all those hours and all those extra things that make the rest of you guys' life difficult, I think on when I get to see moments like that, it's, it charges you up, bro. Yeah. We're very lucky. Truth. And on that note, this has been another episode of the FCFC pod. We're done. Thank you all for listening. Uh-huh. We Do you want to get any more shouts in, friend? Uh, shout out to my homie, Young. Uh, no, I don't, have <laughs> I don't have anything else to say, I think. I think we're good. Uh, sh- Chief Keef for life? Chief no, Keef for life. No. Well, me and Slim are Chief Keef for life. You don't look, have, like, all right, Keef. to be honest, look. I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy Chief Keef now look, and again. No, no, no. So the Every, truth comes out. No, but n- that was not a... I, I listen to his music once every six months. And that was not to, one of those... I think the three of us should go to a months. Chief Keef concert. I'm with it. <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't know if I have the energy for it, so I'll be on the balcony or something, but I'll yeah, go. I'd yeah, go to a Chief Keef concert. Those must be crazy. Those must be fun. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to get out of here. Have a good night, everybody. Peace. FCFC. FC. 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 F